Section 6 of Something Childish and Other Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marcia Epic Harris. The Woman at the Store by Catherine Mansfield. All that day, the heat was terrible. The wind blew close to the ground. It rooted among the tussock grass, slithered along the road, so that the white pumice dust swirled in our faces, settled and sifted over us, and was like a dry skin itching for growth on our bodies. The horses stumbled along, coughing and chuffing. The pack horse was sick, with a big open sore rubbed under the belly. Now and again she stopped short, threw back her head, looked at us as though she were going to cry, and whinnied. Hundreds of larks shrilled. The sky was slate color, and the sound of the larks reminded me of slate pencils scraping over its surface. There was nothing to be seen but wave after wave of tussock grass, patched with purple orchids and monica bushes covered with thick spider webs. Joe rode ahead. He wore a blue Galatea shirt, corduroy trousers, and riding boots. A white handkerchief, spotted with red, it looked as though his nose had been bleeding on it, was knotted round his throat. Wisps of white hair straggled from under his wide-awakes. His mustache and eyebrows were called white. He slouched in the saddle, grunting. Not once that day had he sung, I don't care, for don't you see, my wife's mother was in front of me. It was the first day we had been without it for a month, and now there seemed something uncanny in his silence. Jim rode beside me, white as a clown. His black eyes glittered, and he kept shooting out his tongue and moistening his lips. He was dressed in a Jaeger vest and a pair of blue duck trousers fastened round the waist with a plaited leather belt. We had hardly spoken since dawn. At noon, we had lunched off fly biscuits and apricots by the side of a swampy creek. "'My stomach feels like the crop of a hen,' said Joe." Now then, Jim, you're the bright boy of the party. Where's this here store you kept on talking about? Oh, yes, you says. I know a fine store with a paddock for the horses and a creek running through owned by a friend of mine who'll give yer a bottle of whiskey before he shakes his hand with yer. I'd like to see that place, merely as a matter of curiosity. Not that I'd ever doubt your word, as you know very well, but... Jim laughed. Don't forget there's a woman, too, Joe, with blue eyes and yellow hair, who will promise you something else before she shakes hands with you. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. The heat's making you balmy, said Joe. But he dug his heels into the horse. We shambled on. I half fell asleep, and had a sort of uneasy dream that the horses were not moving forward at all. Then, that I was on a rocking horse— and my old mother was scolding me for raising such a fearful dust from the drawing-room carpet. "'You've entirely worn off the pattern of the carpet,' I heard her saying, and she gave the reins a tug. I sniveled and woke to find Jim leaning over me, maliciously smiling. "'That was a case of all but,' he said. "'I just caught you. What's up, Ben Bye-Bye?' "'No,' I raised my head. "'Thank the Lord we're arriving somewhere.' We were on the brow of the hill— and below us there was a ware, roofed with corrugated iron. It stood in a garden, rather far back from the road, a big paddock opposite, and a creek, and a clump of yellow willow trees. 
a thin line of blue smoke stood up straight from the chimney of the ware and as i looked a woman came out followed by a child and a sheepdog the woman carried what appeared to me a black stick she made gestures at us the horses put on a final spurt joe took off his wide awake shouted threw out his chest and began singing i don't care for don't you see the sun pushed through the pale clouds and shed a vivid light over the scene it gleamed on the woman's yellow hair over her flapping pinafore and the rifle she was carrying the child hid behind her and the yellow dog a mangy beast scuttled back into the ware his tail between his legs we drew rein and dismounted hello screamed the woman i thought you was three ox my kid comes running into me mamma says she there's three bound things coming over the hill says she and i comes out smart i can tell you there be ox i says to her oh the ox about here you wouldn't believe the kid gave us the benefit of one eye from behind the woman's pinafore then retired again where's your old man asked jim the woman blinked rapidly screwing up her face away shearin been away a month i suppose you're not going to stop are ye there's a storm coming up you bet we are said joe so you're on your lonely missus she stood pleading the frills of her pinafore and glancing from one to the other of us like a hungry bird i smiled at the thought of how jim had pulled joe's leg about her certainly her eyes were blue and what hair she had was yellow but ugly she was a figure of fun looking at her you felt there was nothing but sticks and wires under her pinafore her front teeth were knocked out she had red pulpy hands and she wore on her feet a pair of dirty blutchers i'll go and turn out the horses said jim got any embrocation poise rubbed herself to hell off a mo the woman stood silent a moment her nostrils expanding as she breathed then she shouted violently i'd rather you didn't stop you can't and there's the end of it i don't let out the paddock any more you'll have to go on i ain't got nothing well i'm blessed said joe heavily he pulled me aside gone a bit off her dot he whispered too much alone you know very significantly turn this sympathetic tap on her she'll come round all right but there was no need she had come round by herself stop if you like she muttered shrugging her shoulders to me i'll give you the imprecation if you're coming along righto i'll take it down to them we walked together up the garden path it was planted on both sides with cabbages they smelled like stale dishwater of flowers there were double poppies and sweet williams one little patch was divided off by poa shells presumably it belonged to the child for she ran from her mother and began to grub in it with a broken clothes peg the yellow dog lay across the doorstep biting fleas the woman kicked him away gar go away you beast the place ain't tidy i haven't had time to fix things today been ironing come right in it was a large room the walls plastered with old pages of english periodicals queen victoria's jubilee appeared to be the most recent number a table with an ironing board and wash tub on it some wooden forms a black horsehair sofa and some broken cane chairs pushed against the walls the mantelpiece above the stove was draped in pink paper 
further ornamented with dried grasses and ferns and a colored print of Richard Sedun. There were four doors, one, judging from the smell, led into the store, one onto the backyard, through a third I saw the bedroom. Flies buzzed in circles round the ceiling, and treacle papers and bundles of dried clover were pinned to the window curtains. I was alone in the room. She had gone into the store for the embarkation. I heard her stamping about and muttering to herself, I got some. Now where did I put that ball? It's behind the pickles. No, it ain't. I cleared a place on the table and sat there, swinging my legs. Down in the paddock, I could hear Joe singing, and the sound of hammer strokes as Jim drove in the tent pegs. It was sunset. There is no twilight in our New Zealand days, but a curious half-hour, when everything appears grotesque, it frightens, as though the savage spirit of the country walked abroad and sneered at what it saw. Sitting alone in the hideous room, I grew afraid. The woman next door was a long time finding that stuff. What was she doing in there? Once I thought her bang her hands down on the counter, and once she half moaned, turning it into a cough and clearing her throat. I wanted to shout, Buck up! But I kept silent. Good Lord, what a life, I thought. Imagine being here day in, day out with that rat of a child and a mangy dog. Imagine bothering about ironing. Mad. But of course she's mad. Wonder how long she's been here. Wonder if I could get her to talk. At that moment, she poked her head round the door. What was it you wanted? She asked. Imbrication. Oh, I forgot. I got it. It was in front of the pickle jaws. She handed me the bottle. My, you do look tired, you do. Shall I knock you up a few scones for supper? There's some tongue in the store, too, and I'll cook you a cabbage if you fancy it. Right-o, I smiled at her. Come down to the paddock and bring the kid for tea. She shook her head, pursing up her mouth. Oh, no, I don't fancy it. I'll send the kid down with the things and a billy of milk. Shall I knock up a few extra scones to take with you tomorrow? Thanks. She came and stood by the door. How old is the kid? Six come next Christmas. I had a bit of trouble with her, one way and another. I hadn't any milk till a month after she was born, and she sickened like a cow. She's not like you. Takes after her father? Just as a woman has shouted her refusal at us before, she shouted at me then. No, she don't. She's the dead spit of me. Any fool could see that. Come on in now, else you stop messing in the dirt. I met Joe climbing over the paddock fence. What's the old bitch got in the store? He asked. Don't know. Didn't look. Well, of all the fools, Jim's slanging you. What have you been doing all the time? She couldn't find the stuff. Oh, my shakes, you are smart. Joe had washed combed his wet hair in a line across his forehead, and buttoned a coat over his shirt. He grinned. Jim snatched the imbrication from me. I went to the end of the paddock where the willows grew and bathed in the creek. The water was clear and soft as oil. Along the edges, held by the grass and rushes, white foam tumbled and bubbled. I lay in the water and looked up at the trees that were still a moment, then quivered lightly, and again were still. The air smelt of rain. I forgot about the woman and the kid until I came back to the tent. 
Jim lay by the fire watching the billy boil. I asked where Joe was and if the kid had brought our supper. Pooh, said Jim, rolling over and looking up at the sky. Didn't you see how Joe had been titivating? He said to me before he went up to the wire, Dang it, she'll look better by nightlight. At any rate, my buck, she's female flesh. You had Joe about her looks, you had me too. No, look here, I can't make it out. It's four years since I came past this way, and I stopped here two days. The husband was a pal of mine once, down the west coast, a fine big chap with a voice on him like a trombone. She'd been barmaid down the coast, as pretty as a wax doll. The coach used to come this way then, once a fortnight. That was before they opened the railway up Napier Way, and she had no end of a time. Told me once in a confidential moment that she knew 125 different ways of kissing. Oh, go on, Jim. She isn't the same woman. Of course she is. I can't make it out. What I think is the old man cleared out and left her. That's all my eye about shearing. Sweet life. The only people who come through now are Maoris and sundowners. Through the dark, we saw the gleam of the kid's pinafore. She trailed over to us with a basket in her hand, the milk billy in the other. I unpacked the basket, the child standing by. Come over here, said Jim, snapping his fingers at her. She went. The lamp from the inside of the tent cast a bright light over her. A mean, undersized brat with whitish hair and weak eyes. She stood, legs wide apart, and her stomach protruding. "'What do you do all day?' asked Jim. She scraped out one tear with her little finger, looked at the result, and said, "'Draw.' "'Huh. What do you draw? Leave your ears alone.' "'Pictures?' "'What on?' "'Bits of butter paper and a pencil in my mama's.' What a lot of words at one time, Jim rolled his eyes at her. Bah, lambs and moo cows. No, everything. I'll draw all of you when you're gone, and your horses in the tent, and that one, she pointed to me, with no clothes on in the creek. I looked at her where she couldn't see me from. Thanks very much. How ripping of you, said Jim. Where's Dad? The kid pouted. I won't tell you because... I don't like your face. She started operations on the other ear. Here, I said. Take the basket. Get along home and tell the other man supper's ready. I don't want to. I'll give you a box on the ear if you don't, said Jim savagely. Hi, I'll tell Mama, I'll tell Mama. The kid fled. We ate until we were full and had arrived at the smoke stage before Joe came back, very flushed and jaunty, a whiskey bottle in his hand. "'Have a drink, you two! he shouted, carrying off matters with a high hand. "'Here, shove along the cups!' One hundred and twenty-five different ways,' I murmured to Jim. "'What's that? Oh, stow it!' said Joe. "'Why have you always got your knife into me? You gasped like a kid at a Sunday school beano. "'She wants us to go up there tonight and have a comfortable chat. I—' he waved his hand airily, got her round. "'Trust you for that,' laughed Jim. "'But did she tell you where the old man's got to?' Joe looked up. "'Shearing! You heard her, you fool!' The woman had fixed up the room, even to a light bouquet of sweet williams on the table. 
She and I sat one side of the table, Joe and Jim the other. An oil lamp was set between us, the whiskey bottle and glasses, and a jug of water. The kid knelt against one of the forms, drawing on butter paper. I wondered grimly if she was attempting the creek episode. But Joe had been right about nighttime. The woman's hair was tumbled, two red spots burned in her cheeks, her eyes shone, and we knew they were kissing feet under the table. She had changed the blue pinafore for a white calico dressing jacket and a black skirt. The kid was decorated to the extent of a blue sateen hair ribbon. In the stifling room, with the flies buzzing against the ceiling and dropping onto the table, we got slowly drunk. "'Now listen to me,' shouted the woman, banging her fist on the table. "'It's six years since I was married and four miscarriages,' I says to him, I says, what do you think I'm doing up here? If he was back at the coast, I'd have you lynched for child murder. Over and over, I tells him, you've broken my spirit and spoiled my looks. And what for? That's what I'm driving at. She clutched her head with her hands and stared round at us, speaking rapidly. Oh, some days and months of them, I hear them two words knocking inside me all the time. What for? But sometimes I'll be cooking the spuds and I lifts the lid off to give him a prong and I hears quite sudden again. What for? Oh, I don't mean only the spuds and the kid. I mean, I mean, she hiccuped. You know what I mean, Mr. Joe. I know, said Joe, scratching his head. Trouble with me is, she leaned across the table. He left me too much alone. When the coach stopped coming... Sometimes he go away days, sometimes he go away weeks, and leave me to look after the store. Back he'd come, please this punch. Oh, hello, he'd say. How are you getting on? Come and give us a kiss. Sometimes I'd turn a bit nasty and he'd go off again, and if I took it all right, he'd wait till he could twist me round his figure. Then he'd say, well, so long, I'm off. And do you think I could keep him? Not me. Mama, pleaded the kid, I made a picture of them on the hill. You and me, and the dog down below. Shut your mouth, said the woman. A vivid flash of lightning played over the room. We heard the mutter of thunder. Good thing that's broke loose, said Joe. I've had it in me, Ed, for three days. Where's your old man now? asked Jim slowly. The woman blubbered and dropped her head onto the table. Jim, he's gone shearing and left me alone again she wailed. Yeah, look out for the glasses, said Joe. Cheerio, have another drop. No good crying over spilt husbands. You, Jim, you blasted cuckoo. Mr. Joe, said the woman, drying her eyes on her jacket frill, you're a gent, and if I was a secret woman, I'd place any confidence in your hands. I don't mind if I do have a glass on that. Every moment the lightning grew more vivid and the thunder sounded nearer. Jim and I were silent. The kid never moved from her bench. She poked her tongue out and blew on her paper as she drew. It's the loneliness, said the woman addressing Joe. He'd made sheep eyes at her. And being shut up here like a broody en. He reached his hand across the table and held hers. And though the position looked most uncomfortable when they wanted to pass the water and whiskey, their hands stuck together as though glued. I pushed back my chair and went over to the kid, 
who immediately sat flat down on her artistic achievements and made a face at me. "'You're not to look,' said she. "'Oh, come on, don't be nasty.' Jim came over to us, and we were just drunk enough to wheedle the kid into showing us. And those drawings of hers were extraordinary and repulsively vulgar, the creations of a lunatic with a lunatic's cleverness. There was no doubt about it. The kid's mind was diseased. While she showed them to us, she worked herself up into a mad excitement, laughing and trembling and shooting out her arms. Mama, she yelled. Now I'm going to draw them. Well, you told me I was never to. Now I am. The woman rushed from the table and beat the child's head with the flat of her hand. I'll smack you with your clothes turned up if you dare say that again, she bawled. Joe was too drunk to notice, but Jim caught her by the arm. The kid did not utter a cry. She drifted over to the window and began picking flies from the treacle paper. We returned to the table, Jim and I sitting one side, the woman and Joe touching shoulders the other. We listened to the thunder, saying stupidly, That was a near one. There it goes again, and Joe at a heavy hit. Now we're off. Steady on the brake, until rain began to fall, sharpest cannon shot on the iron roof. You better doss here for the night, said the woman. That's right, assented Joe, evidently in the know about this move. Bring up your things from the tent. You two can doss in the store along with the kid. She's used to sleep in there and won't mind you. Oh, Mama, I never did, interrupted the kid. Shut your lies, and Mr. Joe can have this room. It sounded a ridiculous arrangement, but it was useless to attempt to cross them. They were too far gone. While the woman sketched the plan of action, Joe sat, abnormally solemn and red, his eyes bulging and pulling at his mustache. Give us a lantern, said Jim. I'll go down to the paddock. We two went together. Rain whipped in our faces. The land was light, as though a bushfire was raging. We behaved like two children let loose in the thick of an adventure, laughed and shouted to each other, and came back to the ware to find the kid already bedded in the counter of the store. The woman brought us a lamp. Joe took his bundle from Jim. The door was shut. Good night, all shouted Joe. Jim and I sat on two sacks of potatoes. For the life of us, we could not stop laughing. Strings of onions and half hams dangled from the ceiling. Wherever we looked, there were advertisements for camp coffee and tinned meats. We pointed at them, tried to read them aloud, overcome with laughter and hiccups. The kid in the counter stared at us. She threw off her blanket and scrambled to the floor, where she stood in her gray flannel nightgown, rubbing one leg against the other. We paid no attention to her. What are you laughing at? She said uneasily. You, shouted Jim. The red tribe of you, my child. She flew into a rage and beat herself with her hands. I won't be laughed at, you curse you. He swooped down upon the child and swung her onto the counter. Go to sleep, Miss Smarty, or make a drawing. Here's a pencil. You can use Mama's account book. Through the rain, we heard Joe creak over the boarding of the next room, the sound of a door being opened, then shut to. It's the loneliness, whispered Jim. One hundred and twenty-five different ways, alas, my poor brother. The kid tore out a page and flung it at me. There you are, she said. 
Now I done it to spite Mama for shutting me up here with you two. I done the one she told me I never ought to. I done the one she told me she'd shoot me if I did. Don't care, don't care. The kid had drawn the picture of the woman shooting at a man with a rook rifle and then digging a hole to bury him in. She jumped off the counter and squirmed about on the floor, biting her nails. Jim and I sat till dawn with a drawing beside us. The rain ceased. The little kid fell asleep, breathing loudly. We got up, stole out of the ware, down into the paddock. White clouds floated over a pink sky. A chill wind blew. The air smelled of wet grass. Just as we swung into the saddle, Joe came out of the ware. He motioned to us to ride on. I'll pick you up later, he shouted. A bend in the road, and the whole place disappeared. End of section six. Recording by Marcia Epic Harris.